from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitin. Oh, yes. It's Fresh Fridays here on the G and Ursula Show. We appreciate all of you for being with us. And guess who's here on a Friday as well? It's cold outside, and Angela Poe Russell showed up. Good morning, Angela. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> for Happy Fresh Friday. Yes, happy Fresh Fridays. And Paul is in for Chef today. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. A frozen Fresh Friday. Today. Oh, yes, yes. It's definitely frozen. And then, whoa, we got another. Someone else is in here today. We got Brady in for Nick. Good morning, Brady. Good morning. I feel like I've been talking to you all week, but I just see you in spurts over on the other side. I know. And then we got, of course, my man, Chris Martin, who is doing traffic. We got a good show set up for you. We got a lot of good stuff going on. But coming up at 933 today, you know, we all know who Angela Poe Russell is. Kind of. Maybe some of you don't know. But even if you do know her, do you know her story? And I was thinking this morning, how did you get here? Why did you come to Seattle? Who are the reasons why that you came to Seattle? So at 930, I'm going to ask Angela how she got here anyway. So we'll do that. But we got to get to it. Top stories of the day brought to you by Wastegar 40, Zusu and Auburn. I'm sure this is going to surprise everyone. But the top story today, the weather. Yes, we are breaking a weather record. This is the coldest January 12th on the books. And it looks like we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> you like that? Here's meteorologist Ted Beener with a snapshot of the weekend. Sub-freezing air driven by a stiff north wind from Canada has spread through western Washington. Highs today mainly in the 20s with partly sunny skies. For the holiday weekend, more cold weather with lows down in the teens, locally the single digits in wind-sheltered areas. The southwest part of the state has a chance for some light snow later tonight and Saturday. I'm Cairo News Radio meteorologist Ted Beener. All right, and the roads not as bad as we had feared. I'm I'm curious, G, are you mm. one of those people? Because I'm already getting text messages about should we cancel this on Saturday? Should we cancel this on Sunday? Are you one of those people you like to cancel stuff, have stuff canceled, be prepared, and you're okay if nothing happens, or do you like to push through it? Let me tell you. You think what, we're too soft? Let me tell you what I have been doing in the last 24 hours. I keep checking to see if the Emerald Queen Casino is going to cancel the concert that is tonight. I have tickets with my friends and my wife to go and see Drew Hill tonight. And I've just been begging, please, let it snow, let it snow, so that they can cancel the concert. Nope, not doing it. I should have known, because a casino, well, it's not like a casino is going to close down. It's not going to say, ladies and gentlemen, because of the snow and the, the weather, it's cold. We're going to close our doors. I should have known if it's going to be like a Emerald Queen Casino. They're like the postal service. Through so, rain, snow, sleet, and hail. So <laughs> I used to be the tough it out. We got those things to do. I think that when you're in your 20s, everything is so important. doesn't matter if that party is an hour away and it's snowing and it's a blizzard. You got to get there. Today, yeah, cancel things because we know financially things can go bad, right? You can get there's accidents potentially that you can avoid. There are being stranded, having to go get a hotel, don't want to do all of those things. So I subscribe to staying home. Call me boring. That's where I am in my life. Yeah, you're embracing your your age. Yes. You're embracing. <laughs> yes. Well, look, something that came up this morning was about, you know, renters in these situations when it gets really cold for a longer period of time. Um, so it's important to think about where we live, right? 
So if you rent, what are your rights and responsibilities? So here's mm. Cairo 7 TV, Samantha Lombau. With snow falling and the temperatures plummeting, your home is left bracing for impact. You can live there in any, essentially any weather condition. Um, your landlord has the responsibility of making sure that the residence is reasonably weather tight. Patrick Tevitt is a landlord tenant lawyer in the North Sound, explaining what your rights are as a renter. But when problems pop up, he says the first thing you need to do is check your lease. Make sure that you know what your responsibilities are and your obligations. But it gets tricky when it comes down to certain issues. For example, frozen pipes in the winter. If it comes to the pipes within the wall, that's going to be your landlord's duty. Call your landlord immediately, send him a text, send him a written notice that says, get over here and fix this before it gets to be a problem. Tevitt tells me it's usually up to the renter to maintain it and report it. If you don't ask your landlord to remedy that defective condition timely, it can that additional damage can be put on you, the tenant. But if you're on vacation and you don't wrap up the pipes and they freeze over, that responsibility could fall on you. You might arise in a situation where you do create your own defective condition in the sense that your lack of uh, attention to the fact it's getting cold has created that problem. And see, that is the part I did not know. I thought that it would be the landlord's responsibility. Hey, it's getting cold. Let me go check on my properties and make sure they're. But yeah, apparently as a renter, you have some responsibility. I love that. I hope that that information uh, helps someone. Paul, thank you for giving us uh, information. All right, we'll get next. Next story. All right, we knew this was coming, and yesterday it became official. According to a report in the Seattle Times, passengers on that Alaska Airlines flight that lost a major door plug midair, they are suing Boeing. They say Boeing owes them and the other 165 passengers aboard Flight 1282 compensation for injuries sustained during the incident. One passenger named in the lawsuit said that her head jolted back and forth during the incident, resulting in a concussion, soft tissue injuries to her neck and back and bleeding in one ear. Another with a seizure disorder said that they had a seizure after getting off the plane. Alaska is not named in the lawsuit. And that to me is an interesting piece of this, that they're just going after Boeing and not Alaska. And the reason I say, and not taking a side either way, but just getting the news that Alaska had gotten this warning several days before and had decided that the aircraft would not be allowed to make those long haul flights over water. So I wonder if there would be some liability there, but. You know what? I probably shouldn't take this angle, but I'm going to. Uh-oh. I'm so sick and tired of people trying to just be so happy all the time. I'm so sick and tired of people just trying to throw lawsuits out there because you want to try to get some money in a fast way every single time. Now, you don't really believe this. You're just taking an angle, right? No, you no, don't no, really no. believe this. Oh, no, I, I do believe this. Oh, OK. Well, we're going to have a nice debate then. OK, fair. No, finish, finish your confidence, no, no, no. your argument. I'm listening. Sometimes. I believe that it's valid. Case in point, the flight that was, uh, remember, we just recently had the uh, the pilot who was sitting in the cockpit and then he was the one that tried to, he was going to take the plane down and, and the flight attendants did a f- phenomenal job. This just recently happened, okay? The flight attendants did a phenomenal job. They made sure everything was going. As a matter of fact, a lot of people on the plane had no idea it was happening. So you would think that nobody's going to sue anybody in that situation. 
but they still do, right? So I'm not just talking about in this particular case. I'm talking about just in general that everybody wants to sue, wants to sue for this, wants to sue for that all the time. I'm not saying that it wasn't a problem on this particular flight. It was. Thankfully, nobody was um, injured. Nobody came out of that flight. The little boy, the mom held on to them tight. But nobody came on directly after that fight, and I didn't hear anybody say anything right after the flight. Because they went to the lawyer. Exactly. <laughs> right, that's as they should. <laughs> but, but that's where we are in our society. Everybody runs thing. to the lawyer. Because, okay, I, I hear you. I do think there are frivolous lawsuits. A lot of them. But no, well, okay. A lot or most? I don't know. I, you know, we don't have the data in front of us to determine that. I and didn't say most. I said a lot. Okay, a okay, lot. Fair. Okay. But I think in a case where being traumatized in a situation like this, where you have an opening in an airplane, you think you're about to die, you have people's chairs twisting around, heads going back and forth. I think this is valid. And I have to tell you, I have never sued anyone in my life, but right now I'm considering to. And, and it is for valid reason because sometimes people need to be held accountable for their sloppiness, yeah. for making mistakes, mm-hmm. and there is pain and suffering that happens. Mm-hmm. I hear you, though. I do think sometimes people can take advantage. What say you, Paul, on this? Uh, You're agreeing with me, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I think that people have a case here, but but it is interesting. My, my question for these lawsuits is, and G, you mentioned it, a way to get some quick money, but isn't it very expensive to go through a lawsuit process getting a lawyer? I also have never sued anyone. I haven't ever been involved in any of those. So that's my biggest question. But class action means it's kind of a bunch of it's a bunch of people all on board to, together going for it. Yeah, in this particular situation, it's a small group of passengers suing. Uh, yes, on behalf of the larger group. And I would have to imagine that in this case, they're taking the lawyers will be taking it on contingency, meaning if they win some money, then. Um, but yeah, in general, uh, it does cost money to I just, a lawyer. I just, yeah. I just want to say this. I'm glad we're talking about this now. Because now I want everyone going forward. Every time there's a story, I'm going to be looking for it. I'm not saying that there aren't legitimate reasons as to why someone brings a lawsuit, right? No doubt. We, we all know those. But we also know when we sit back and we say, really? Really? All of you guys are going to sue in a situation? And, here, and here's the thing with this one. Yes. Is this isn't Boeing's first incident. Like, we just had one, you know, the the two crashes. Like, you know, you start having a bunch of issues, and that's how that's how a lot of companies Fair. get the message is through I, lawsuits. I'm, I'm assuming that people are listening to me and are thinking, gee, you have no empathy for others. And I, don't, I don't think we think that. I think there are, I think we all can agree. We know there are frivolous lawsuits. We know that. Okay. Yeah. A, a, a lot. A lot of frivolous lawsuits. And I'm not saying this, but a lot. Now, I will tell you this. Now, let me, I forgot to tell you this. I have been sued and they were absolutely frivolous and it was absolutely a money grab. And, and I will tell you this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And the, the, and here's the thing, even though I am doing air quotes here, even though I won, I didn't win because it cost me to defend myself. The suffering I went through being accused of stuff that wasn't true and then having to go defend that and have to prove you didn't do it. Even though you won, you just felt like you lost. You lost time with your family. You lost money you spent defending yourself. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. 
right. So, I mean, so, so I think... I, hey, look, I think I'm in the best position to debate this, you know, having been sued. And, <laughs> and thinking about suing. Yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, okay. so, wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you said you've been sued two to three times? Well, one time was personally. The okay. other time, and I was a, you know, here's the thing. When you're a news anchor in Philadelphia, it's very different than being one here. Okay. In Philadelphia, you're kind of a celebrity a little bit. Mm-hmm. They treat, and so you have more people that may come after you for things mm-hmm. because they think that you can, you know... So the other ones were news related and those didn't win either, but it costs you. It still costs you to defend it. So, all right, let's go to the next story. It's college football drama. So much going on with football coaches. More evidence this morning that something might be going on with UW coach Kalen DeBoer. Coach DeBoer was scheduled to appear on a local radio show this morning and suddenly had to cancel. Meanwhile, Alabama in day two of their search for a new coach to replace the legendary Nick Saban. Other names being considered, and G, keep me honest on this, Mm -hmm. Florida State coach Mike Norvell Mm -hmm. Uh and Clemson's coach Dabo Sweeney. Uh So, reaction to this headline. Mm. You told me yesterday, uh, if someone says to you, hey, I think it's time that we uh, get some space and maybe take a break for a little bit, this is an example of that. Kalen DeBoer is over there with Alabama, and right now there is, I think the UW is on a break. I think right now UW needs some space. I don't think Kalen DeBoer, in my opinion, if you have heard, you all have heard me and others talk about how special of a coach that Kalen DeBoer is. If we can all agree with that, okay, check. Don't you think Alabama is going to think the same thing? If you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the University of Washington would be playing for a national championship, I would have bet everything I own, not that much, but everything that I own, that there's no way possible. Kalen DeBoer did that. I don't think that man comes away from Alabama without being the head coach of down there. He's going there, and people keep saying, well, gee, well, what about Seattle? Seattle's so beautiful. Y'all act like Tuscaloosa ain't ain't, ain't pretty either. You act like there's not good living down in Alabama. Now, you're going to disagree with me because you have lived in Alabama for six years, but I just want to just say this. Remember this, y'all. There's Southern hospitality down there. There's a whole lot of money. Oh, by the way, how come Kalen DeBoer doesn't have a contract already with UW? Why didn't he already have a contract right now? Why did we wait to the last minute? So you know, he's looking. He, did, my, he, he didn't want to lock it down, did one he? Of, one of my biggest problems in life is sometimes, sometimes you got to let that person know that they are appreciated before other people start to look. And then when other people start looking, then you say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to start acting right. Okay, so let me break this down. Yeah. So is it your belief that the reason he's under the contract now is because UW didn't want to offer him one? Or do you think he was like, I don't want to... Because I've been in that situation where I don't want to sign right now. I, I want to consider my options. I, I, I don't know. But I do think that sometimes if there's a number that you get presented with, that, hey, you, that, you, have, that you have no choice. And I said it two, two and a half months ago. Those listening, you guys remember, pay that man the $100 million contract now. And people said, "Gee, that's crazy." I said, "Pay the man." So I don't, I don't Seattle know. Seattle is too. I hope y'all don't get offended. Oh, we're well, too good. granola for that. Like, oh, really? what do you? What do you? What I do don't you know. Mean? I don't need 
better word for it. Like, for example, (laughs) there are other places where they live, breathe and eat football. Right? Alabama. So they are going to roll out the red carpet. They are going to. And and I feel like here I could see some people saying, well, why would we? I mean, they want to pay him, right? Some amount of money. Mm -hmm. But I think there would be the other argument that we have other things we need to fund and we have other, you know, couldn't you see that? Am I wrong? I've lived here for 14 years. Uh, I I just think that Seattle has so much to offer, right? And they don't you don't just have what? You like UW football? Great. You like Seahawk football? Great. You like the storm? Great. You like hiking? You like camping? You like all the there's so many amazing things to do here that it's all not on one thing. And Tuscaloosa, and there's nothing else that exists. Exactly. You're the you are the star. You are the star. Yeah. And that's we were talking about that's why we love living here yeah. is um yeah, people yeah, people are treated like people. There yeah. aren't a lot of folks getting Now I have to ask you this. Huh. Let's assume Kalen gets this offer. Coach DeBoer gets the offer. Yeah. Why not if the Seahawks are an opportunity, why wouldn't he just go to the NFL? Go oh, to the Seahawks. I mean, because I think that um, both are different. I think mean, coaching college football and coaching pro football are different things, right? Uh, I think that Kalen DeBoer being in Alabama, this could be a, a lifestyle, a lifetime appointment almost. You know, if he goes there and does well, it's almost like uh, the Supreme Court. Like, you there for right. good until it's time for you to go. In the pros, the wind could blow this way. The wind could blow that way, and that's your job. So you didn't never know. So I think you have more control of the trajectory of your life with college football. Uh, are we out of time already? Mm-hmm. We didn't get to all of our top stories. Mm-hmm. My biggest question, would you want to fill in for Nick Saban? Would you want to be That's the thing. I would almost want to be the, the third person. Because you're always going to be compared. Yeah, very true. Good stuff. Now, I will say this before we get off this topic. For UW fans... I really hope somehow, some way that there's some Hail Mary and that he does stay here because I think Kalen DeBoer is an incredible football coach. I didn't just start saying this. I said it about two months ago. That dude is really good. Coming up next, I want to know how Angela Poe Russell got here to Seattle. What was her first job? Who was she working with? Why did she leave her last job? All those things. So it's a kind of an interrogation. Oh, we wow. do that next. It is the Geno Show. Everybody, happy Fresh Fridays here on the G and Ursula Show. Angela Poe Russell has been filling in for Ursula. Really appreciate that. Just so you know, for next week, Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday is celebrated on Monday. I will be hosting. I'll be in here solo by myself then. And then on Tuesday, we will welcome back Ursula. So I want to give you that. Before I get to talking about and asking about Angela, I do want to tell you the news right now. So right now it is down to two out there in Tuscaloosa. It's down to two candidates for the next head coach of Alabama University. It's going to be either Kalen DeBoer or Dabo Sweeney. It has just been reported that Mike Norville, head coach of Florida State, he put a tweet up there saying 
so good to be a Seminole. So it's down to two candidates. And you're not feeling great about Dabo getting selected. Oh, absolutely not. Dabo Sweeney is the uh, guy that said about two and a half years ago that he would be done coaching if players were allowed to get paid off their name, image, and likeness. Dabo Sweeney going into living rooms is not a good deal. Kalen DeBoer is from South Dakota. He's born. He's from South Dakota. Going down to Tuscaloosa ain't probably a bad thing for him. Uh, just a little bit there, too. Uh, a source from uh, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletics says Mike Norville's deal is for eight years and more than $10 million a year. So it sounds like contract in place for Mike uh, Norville down there at Florida State. Okay, so say that number again. How much How much a year? Uh, eight years and more than $10 million a year. It doesn't say specifically, but more than $10 million a year. Okay, so that's Mike the kind Norville. of money we're talking about. More than $10 million a year. That's for Mike Norville to stay at Florida State. Wow. And so how much is Doc, is Jabor making? Do we know how much he makes? I don't know what he's making currently now, up. but I do know that when he first came on as head coach, I think he was making around maybe three to four million dollars annually a year. Not saying that you I think that's right, yeah. I think I'm not saying that you dub wouldn't have, have have gone up a little bit, but there's that. Angela uh, I got I got it for you here. Uh according to Axios here. Uh, he is the 44th highest paid coach in college football. DeBoer is with an annual pay of $4.2 million. Wow. USA, the 44th USA. highest paid and yeah. got himself to the national championship. So, yeah, he's in for a good <laughs> yeah. raise. Sometimes you can outkick your coverage, right? <laughs> so, Angela, people know who you are. They love you coming on as a fill-in host. You are fantastic. But the more I get to know about you, you're like a legend. And I don't know if people know this. So, what brought you here to Seattle? Like, and what what was the first job that you had in Seattle when you first came? Yeah, it was a very, uh, very smart general manager. I say he was smart in that I had an offer. I was in Philadelphia. I had an offer in New York to host the Fox morning show there. And um, there was a man here at Cairo 7, Eric Lerner, who wanted me to entertain coming here and anchoring with Steve Rabel. And you know Steve. Yeah. And so I considered it. I was like, well, you know, let me just, my mom was like, hey, why don't you just go out there and visit? Had you ever been to Seattle before? I had, I had, yes. On my, actually not Seattle, I'd been to Leavenworth and Wenatchee. Okay. And I'd been to the Salish um, Snoqualmie. Oh. So we went there on like a like a vacation, you my husband and I at the a, time. You were living a good life. And I remember how beautiful it was. I said, wow, I really enjoyed the vacation there, so yeah. maybe I'll mm. consider this position. And I never imagined I would take the, I just said, let's just be open and consider it. Mm-hmm. So that's... I did. And then you, you came out here and they got you to come. Oh, they got me. Oh, yeah. They, he, you know. What did um, they, what did they, how did they catch you? Because I don't know. By, by the way, as you know, nobody has ever like begged me to come work. I've had to beg them to work. Yeah. So you were this, uh, this anchor and this. How did they get you to come here? It was clever. Um, so I had two babies at the time. One was a newborn, one was um, two years old. Okay. And. The news director met me for Starbucks and brought his kid with him. They brought his kid with him. And I was like, oh, this was a signal. This oh, is pretty smart. Okay. Wait, so the first us, meeting. Well, not the first. It was basically it was a whole weekend. Uh-huh. So it was I got first class ticket. Okay. You know, dinner at Canlis. <laughs> I've never been to Canlis. Your, wait, your first dinner in the Seattle area was at Canlis? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they took me to Canlis. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was very smart. It wow. was it was very smart. Um and then oh yeah, and then they delivered a card and flowers and candy, all the things. Uh-huh. And then on on Sunday, meet at Starbucks and talk more and he brought his toddler. And I remember thinking, "Oh, this is a place 
that gets it that, hey, I have a family and sometimes we make family part of what we do. Yeah. And I remember the New York people, the New York offer. It was like, you're going to have to come here and prove yourself. And they didn't really seem to care that I had I had two young kids. And so the bosses at Cairo 7 at the time really made a point to say, hey, you can be an anchor and have a family and you do all the things. So Wow. So I've never done TV. Paul, you have done TV before? Nope. All, all radio. Right, all right. Uh, Brady, you ever done TV before? I don't have a face for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, me and Paul. No, no. Like, I agree. Neither do I. Okay. And neither does Paul. <laughs> yeah. No. So we're all three. Yeah. What is the biggest difference between doing radio and doing TV? In TV, you have to have a visual to support what you're saying. So sometimes it can limit what you want to talk about. Because as much as I may want to tell you as a viewer something, if I don't have a visual to support it, it's very difficult. So obviously with graphics, um, that will take us far, especially with animated graphics, that's really helped. Mm -hmm. So I really like about radio, the freedom that whatever we want to talk about, we can talk about. I don't have to think about the visual that's going to support it. Right. TV is a visual medium. And then there's the obvious difference of, you know, I could have the most insightful, in-depth, accurate report and people may want to talk about my nose or my hair. Okay. You know, <laughs> so oh, okay. that's yeah. that is is sometimes challenging that it's not only what you say, mm -hmm. but how you look when you say it. Mm. And that is a part that's not so fun. Did you used to get a lot of messages about how you look and what you're wearing? You know, not a ton. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and it depends on the market, right? When I worked in DC, people were constantly correcting me. You know, it was constant, well, you didn't say this right, you didn't do that right. I would say in Philadelphia, um, you know, here's the thing. Back when I was in Philadelphia, social media, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't like it is now. So it's very different. And I would say being in Seattle has been the most pleasant. The Seattle area has been among the most pleasant places to be. I think people, for the most part, are thoughtful and kind. And I know you're looking at me like. <laughs> no, no, no. no <laughs> but I, I do no, think. I, I believe that. I think for the most part, people have been people have been pretty kind. The part that I don't think that I would do well, I wouldn't do well in TV anyways. Uh, I'm just I barely, disagree. I barely, I'm barely holding on to this radio. But how much do you have to stay on script? I don't know how to do that. I, I, I really, I lose patience and I feel like if I'm talking for a long time, it feels boring. So I'd like to cut it short. How, how much do you have to stay on script? If you're anchoring, it's a lot of script. There is some wiggle room. But because commercial breaks have to hit when they have to hit, you kind of need to. And, and plus, what's very different from talk radio is that we have freedom to give our opinions and things like that. You, It's a very you were talking earlier about lawsuits. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about getting a bunch of them being mm -hmm. in TV news when mm -hmm. you're in the in the field of reporting. You don't want to um, defame someone. Um, have a fact error, you know, so those things are really important. So going off script too much could get you in trouble. Do you have to be able to talk at the same time while somebody's in your ear yes, telling you, you stuff? Yes, you have to be able to do that. Yes. Yes. So they're talking in your ear, telling you all kinds of things, and you have to be able to somehow stay focused and talk to people. Now just, I usually just tune them out. So they just usually have to say my name first to get my attention. And yeah, so. Really? Is it is it soothing? Is it like, okay, Angela, you have about 15 seconds into rap. Or is it, ah, Angela, yeah, ah, ah. like, which one is it? It depends on the pretty, you have some people that are crazy, like, oh my God, this is it. And you're just like, you know what? Shut it. Okay. <laughs> but for the most part, they're calm. Now, someone wants to know, Donna says, did you get candy and flowers, G? <laughs> 
let me let me tell y'all something. Not only did I not get candy and flowers <laughs> in the beginning, I don't think that I would get candy. I don't think I would get candy today. You should. I could. You I could. should. Matter of fact, there in 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 the lobby when you first come in. There's usually a little small bowl of peppermints. There's a bowl there, and there's a sign that says, but not for you, G. Whatever. <laughs> no, but you know what? I think there is a bigger story. I think wherever you work, everyone wants to feel appreciated. They want to feel appreciated. And so, you know, whatever it took to recruit the person or however you ended up there, yeah. you want to feel appreciated when you get there. Well, I just want you to know that you're appreciated. And then Aww. from here on out, we're going to start having the candy jar for Angela when she comes in. <laughs> Just a candy to let you know that you, you know are what? loved here. Yeah. All right. We got a lot of stuff going on. Um, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the man that settled for $250,000 with the state of Washington, their prisons? Or do you want to talk about the mattress on the floor in a section living room for $525 a month? Which one you want, Angela? Which one of those two you are? You call it. Oh, no, you first. Let's go to man that settles for $250,000. We'll do that next. <laughs> okay. It is the G and Ursula show. Oh, hanging out with Angela has been really good. All right. I need you guys to take a sip of your coffee. What do you think about this? The state of Washington right now is paying out $250,000 to a former inmate for inadequate medical care, according to a report in the Everett, Everett Herald. Harold Lang Jr. tore his ACL during a basketball game at the Monroe Correctional Complex's Twin Rivers Unit. Instead of an MRI, a nurse requested an X-ray, gave him crutches, Tylenol, and a bandage. And then things got worse. He injured his knee going downstairs and was still refused an MRI. He eventually had to use a wheelchair and was forced to go up and downstairs in the wheelchair. There is a lot more to the story, but the bottom line is this, that his knee is not the same, and he says it's made it difficult for him to work. The state agreed to pay him $250,000. When you first hear that story, Within the first 10 seconds, what are your thoughts? I thought, you, good. Okay. Good. Tell me why. I'll tell you why. I, you know, um, I look, there's, there's my faith, right? That I believe, you know, human life has value, that we should treat people humanely. Mm -hmm. And when people go to prison, that is the punishment. It doesn't mean you get to treat them less than human. So that is my faith standpoint. And when we, when we refuse reasonable medical care, that is treating someone, in my opinion, less than human, mm -hmm. regardless of what their crime is, because they are being punished for their crime by being in prison, by being incarcerated. So that's my belief on that. I just think that what's always scary to me about prisons is that whatever goes on, there's not a really good way if let's say if there's some kind of abuse or something going on going on, there's not a good way to report it. Everything they do is being recorded. So if they're on a phone with someone, everything's being recorded. So they live in this space where lots of things can go wrong and they don't have any kind of 
outlet for seeking justice. Okay. So in this case, it was a corrections officer who intervened when he saw the poor guy was having to go up the stairs in a wheelchair and down and got him a room, I guess, on a base floor. Mm-hmm. So thank God someone intervened on that case. But I think reasonable medical... And here, here's the thing I want people to know. Even if you know we have different faiths, whatever. Statistically, 95% of people in prison are going to get out because most of them are not there for murder or for lifetime sentences. So they will get out at some point. What kind of citizen do we want them to be when they get out? If we have treated them less than human, then all of a sudden they get out and we expect them to act in a humane way. Mm-hmm. If we have not offered any rehabilitation, what do we expect? So then the recidivism rate is really high. And um, yeah, and, and, and they commit crimes again. So that's my take. What was your first reaction when you first heard? Well, my first reaction was I, I needed to read more of the story. First, I just got the headline at first. And I said, well, before I make a judgment, let me go ahead and read uh, more into this. Um, secondly, when I first saw that, I'm like, good. I'm glad the state is going to be paying $250,000 because I've learned that when you have to pay money and consequences or some of the, you, you kind of learn from those. We all know, like you said, that a lot of these stories that have happened to prisoners that are in prison, there's a lot of stories that go untouched. They go unreported because nobody believed them at the time. Or nobody cares. Or, uh, there you go. There, because you're in prison. We don't care about you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So with that being said, um, I want to ask you back a question on what you said. First, I love how you pointed out that was such a good point. 95% of the people that are in prison will get out at some point. And the question is, is, hey, society, how do you want these uh, when they get out? They will be, you know, they'll be ex-convicts, but they are going to be living in society. How do you want them to be? But my question to you is this, is I do believe that everyone, even if you're in prison, you deserve decency, human decency and all those things. Are you like that? Do you have that feeling with 100% of them, though? Because I I just want to tell you, before you answer, for the most part, if you're in there, sure. But my heart isn't like that for all of them. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would say for a, a small percentage, it's a little more difficult to carry out that value. And especially if it were something where I was the victim I have to imagine it would be a lot harder to have that stance. Right. And so I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. that I don't, you know, fortunately don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll own that. Isabella texts in and says, my husband was an orthopedic surgeon who worked twice a month for the prison system. He was constantly on the phone and doing paperwork to get people the treatment that they needed. So good for them. I know that um, uh, a friend of mine, when he was becoming a dentist, maybe this is, I I don't know many dentists, like personally, outside of my own dentist, but uh, a lot of dentists, when they get started, sometimes they kind of start off having the opportunity to go inside of the jails, uh, local or in prison system, to be able to do dental work and stuff like that. And to this day, he tells me that's still some of the best work that he's ever done. He loved doing that because of how gracious that some of them would be because they would say, I just don't expect good treatment. Mm. Right? So there's that. Good stuff. Angela Paul Russell is in today for Ursula. It's a great Friday. Paul is in for Chef. Brady is in for Nick. Chris Martin is doing traffic. And me, we're having a great day as always. But hey, 
every Friday at 10 o'clock, we talk to Michael Medved. I'm looking forward to doing that. He's going to join us. And here's my question for Michael. Who does he think will end up being the front runner between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis? All that next. It is the Gene Russell Show.